With the children, uh, for those of you who are here, if you want to join me up here, and you have to go around these sideways because it's Communion Sunday and the rail is closed. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to your screens. Come on up. I'm glad to see you this morning. That looks like a ram. Love that. Come on in and have a seat. I enjoyed being with some of you in Vacation Bible School this week. It was so much fun. I hope you learned some things and made some new friends. I'm already excited to do it again next year. All right. Welcome, welcome. So, as many of you know, my name is Carol. And there are several groups that I'm a part of in my life that I'm really proud of, that some groups that I'm very loyal to. One of those is I am a graduate of Duke University. Woohoo! Go Blue Devils! And so when Duke is playing basketball, I put on my shirt and I cheer for the Duke team because I'm a Duke Blue Devil. So that's part of who I am. I am also someone who is a citizen of the United States of America. And this weekend, we're celebrating Independence Day. We're thinking about all the things that we love about our country and what makes America a good place to live. And so, thank you. I like the decorations too. Aren't they sparkly? So that's part of who I am, one group that I'm a part of. I am also a part of West End United Methodist Church. And when I put my name tag on on Sunday mornings or when I go out to visit people in the hospitals or go out in the community, I tell people, I belong to West End United Methodist Church and I'm loyal to this place and I love this place. But all of those things that I'm a part of, the most important thing of all that really tells me who I am is this right here. This is where we do baptisms, remember? And in this bowl is the water that we use for baptism. And when I was baptized, the church told me that I was a child of God. And above everything else, I follow Jesus. And I am most loyal above all other things to Jesus and to following him. And sometimes, you know, there are players on the Duke basketball team that don't act very nicely. And I don't always agree with what they do, Christian Leitner. Sometimes there are things that happen in our country or decisions that are made that maybe I disagree with or I don't feel great about. Sometimes it's true that even our church isn't perfect and sometimes we make mistakes. But God is with us all, helping us all to be better. The most important thing is that we remember that above all else, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We're children of God. And the most important one we follow is Jesus. So let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for all the wonderful groups and things we get to be a part of. We thank you most of all that you claim us as your children and that you long for us to be like Jesus and to love as he loved, and to remember that we are loved. So help us to know that no matter what, you love us, you always will, and that you'll continue to show us how to be your faithful disciples. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
All right. Well, thank you. It's good to see you. If you are three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie and Miss Emily to Children's Church. If you're older than that, you can go back to sit with parents or friends. Those are also part of the decorations. Aren't they colorful and beautiful? I think so, too. If you've been worshiping with us for a while, you may remember that one of the things we used to put in our bulletin every week was a listing of the staff. We thought it was important that folks, especially those who are visiting, would know, you know, that Emily Robbins is our youth director or that Stacy Harwell Dye is our director of outreach. But at some point, it was maybe during the pandemic, we realized that it was challenging sometimes to get information out and to make sure that people were informed about ministries that were happening. So we decided to take that staff page out of the bulletin and replace it with three or four big headlines of the week. Now you let us know if that doesn't work well for you, but we thought we'd give that a try and see how it worked. But one of the things that I loved about that listing of the staff is that at the very top, it said ministers. Does anybody remember what it said? All members of West End United Methodist Church. All members of the West End family. That's what Martin Luther used to call the priesthood of all believers. Every one of us is a minister of the gospel. When you were baptized, if many of you were confirmed, you said yes to being one of Christ's representatives in the world. We're all in mission. Whether we are in mission on a college campus or in an assisted living place where we live or going to an office 40, 50 hours a week, whatever our daily lives, whatever our context, whatever our personal gifts and talents may be, each one of us is a minister of the gospel. And there are as many ways to live that out as there are people who follow Jesus. So what we have this morning is a few verses in Luke's gospel where Jesus gives some instructions to his disciples on how to be in mission. And I think as diverse as our missions and our callings are, we all have something to learn from what Jesus tells these disciples. Now, it's a communion Sunday. So our primary focus is having enough time around the table. My time up here is brief. And this is a rich text. There is so much in every single verse for us to ponder and think about that I cannot begin to do it justice. So I want to invite you to take this text home with you. If you haven't already spent time reading it slowly and pondering it, to do so and to listen to what arises for you in these verses. But what we are going to do this morning is what the poet Billy Collins called water skiing over the text. In honor of 4th of July, we're going to water ski over the text. Or in honor of the new Top Gun movie, we're going to do a flyover. And I just want to point out some things in this text and then leave it in your good hands and your good hearts to ponder in your own way, in your own time. But there's so much good to hear and to see in this text. One of the first things we notice as we get up on our skis is that Jesus is sending out 70 of his disciples. Some manuscripts say 72. 70? 
I don't know about you, but many of us, when we think of Jesus' disciples, we think of the 12. And really, we think of Peter, James, and John. A few of the other ones get lines every now and then in the Gospels, but but we really think of, of the disciples of Jesus being a very closed and small group. And sometimes that can make us think that the real ministers are those who've been to seminary or who wear the robes or who are on church staffs. Or, But here we have Jesus sending out 70 people whose names we don't even know. We don't know their stories. And many scholars tell us that this number 70 is a symbolic number. It's complete. Jesus is sending out all of his followers. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 10, the number of the nations of the earth is 70. So all of Jesus' followers are being sent out to all the nations of the earth. No one is left out. And he sends them out, how? Two by two. Not one of them goes alone. Each minister of the gospel is sent out with at least one companion for fellowship, for support, perhaps for safety, to bear witness to the love of God to those to whom they're sent. It was the practice in the judicial system then that you had to have two witnesses to bear witness to the truth. But it's an important reminder that in the lives that we live, in the ministries that we're about, we are never alone. If we think we're alone, if we try to act alone, may Jesus' words remind us of who we're called to be. So Jesus sends out the 70, sends them out in pairs, and he gives them instructions. And we're going to ski over these instructions and see what they might have for us. He says to them, don't bring a purse, don't bring a bag, don't wear sandals, don't greet anyone on the road. Don't greet anyone on the road, don't stop, it's urgent. He's pointing to the urgency of, of getting to where you're going. There's no time to lose. The world needs to hear the good news of God's love through Jesus Christ. So don't dilly-dally. And don't bring with you your resources. Don't bring with you anything that will allow you to accumulate things along the way. Don't bring anything that would make you self-sufficient. That's a challenging word, isn't it? Being sent out into the world vulnerable, dependent on those to whom you go. It's a power shift. I think sometimes in our history as Christians, we've, we've had this pattern of going into a place with all the resources and all the power and all the desire to control the outcomes, thinking that we're there to help save these people to whom we go. And yet Jesus seems to be turning that upside down. Go with nothing. Allow them to welcome you. Allow them to feed you and care for you. Travel light. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the resources. In fact, he says, when you go into a place, eat whatever they put in front of you. Now, what does that mean? That's another piece for you to take home and ponder on your own. What I hear in that is a pretty radical statement on Jesus' part. Because all of these 70 disciples were devout Jews. 
And they would have been very careful about what they ate and what they didn't eat. They had very clear laws about foods that were clean and unclean. And if you remember, if you were here last week, Jesus is heading into a part of the country that includes Samaritans and Gentiles, people who would eat very differently from these Jewish disciples. And so for Jesus to say, wherever you go, eat what they put in front of you. Give yourself over to the way they do things. Enter into their culture with humility and openness and vulnerability. I'm sorry, we've got to keep water skiing, but I'd love to pause there a little bit longer. Go with no bag, no purse. Depend on the hospitality of those who welcome you. And then he says, here is your mission. The first thing you do is to offer peace. The Tissot painting on the cover of our bulletin was the best image I could find of that crossing the threshold into a household and offering peace. Not coming in condemnation or judgment or with a critical eye. Not coming to change or to overpower or coerce. But coming in peace. Announcing and embodying the peace of Christ. Announce peace. Cure the sick. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus is concerned about people's bodies people's health, about the very real suffering that these disciples will encounter in whatever village they enter. Take care of people's bodies. Help to heal wherever they are suffering. We have a good example of this in our Methodist history. If you know much about Methodist history, you know that the the spread of the Methodist movement is intertwined with the early days of our country. And in in the days of the colonies and in the time of the Declaration of Independence, there were Methodist circuit riders going out to the far corners of settlements, spreading the Wesleyan way and the good news of the gospel. They carried a Bible with them, and they also carried a little book written by John Wesley called Primitive Physic, with home remedies to help people in healing their physical bodies. For many of these communities to which the circuit riders went had no physicians, they had no doctors, they had no expertise. And so these circuit riding preachers would go in and tend to people's health and well-being, both of body and soul. And we can see through Jesus' ministry his dedication to healing people's bodies and offering them the love and grace of God. So how is it our mission to tend to the suffering of the people in our community? What are the ways that we can heal and cure and offer wellness in all the ways that people need it in our community? Announce peace, heal the sick, and proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. That's very literal in this text. Jesus is sending these disciples out in pairs to tell these villages that he's coming. The kingdom of God is near to you. Jesus is moving toward you and is ready to offer you life. Isn't our mission just that? 
to go to the four corners of the earth and to let people know that, that God is moving toward them with arms wide open. That God is for them. That God loves them. That God wants for them abundant life and belonging and well-being and salvation. What a privilege it is to be a messenger of that good news. I can think of many experiences where I have felt that privilege and that joy. Every time we gather at the table, those of you who serve communion here, you know what it feels like to offer someone, this is the body of Christ for you. I got to do that last week at Pride, to stand there with the, the communion elements and say, God loves you. This is a sign of God's grace for you and toward you. I've stood in the chapel at Riverbend Prison and said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Wherever we are, that is our message, that we have the joy and privilege of carrying out into the world. So we've water skied over this text at a high speed. And I want to invite you in these last few moments to close your eyes if you'd like to. You don't have to. But just to think about what is your mission field? Where does God call you to live and move around on a daily basis? Who are the people that you encounter, the faces that you see? How are you called to announce peace? How might you be called to heal the brokenness that you see? And how might you be called to announce that the kingdom of God is very near? May this time of worship, this time at the table, nourish you and fill you so that all of us together at the end of this service can hear Jesus' words, go and proclaim the gospel.